been here in California and the pandemic shut everything down. Around the world, people are afraid and on edge. I thought it'd be a good opportunity for the whosoever's to be active and doing ministry in this time right now. Since everything's shut down, Idaho's open, so that means we can give the gospel out and reach as many people as possible. We came up with 10,000 flyers, 100 posters, and I just charged it to Idaho. Whosoever's trip is completely insane. Life-changing. Guns, God, fireworks, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going down. Skateboarding. I missed this. He came up to me and he's like, dude, what happened tonight was crazy. I've been to youth group, I've been to church, but I've never experienced what happened tonight. And I said, shut your mouth, dude, okay? And I said, wait till the camera gets here. <laughs> Now I went from tour mode to daddy duty, so this is gonna be interesting. <laughs> You're like, why am I here? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening? Sometimes there's not answers to that. During this time of coronavirus, when everything's been put on pause, a lot of people were left to look in the mirror of asking themselves, who am I? Who am I without school, sports? you know, social media, friends, and all of these hobbies. God cares about the smallest details because he has a plan and he has a purpose for everyone's life. That's the message we share with the youth of the nation and of the world. He loves you and he has a plan for every detail of your life. And if you're willing to step out by faith, well, you're going to watch God do the impossible. Keep coming. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is why I came. trick contest happening the city doesn't know no one knows we don't even know if we're going to get shut down but as far as i'm concerned came up with the idea god confirmed so i just left and we went to idaho Same So I'm back in Idaho. All right, here I am. So cool story. Good to see all you guys again. Um, yesterday, I just want to share a quick story is when we came and did this tour, we went to all the local skate parks and one of the guys that was, uh, he lived in Homedale, I guess. Um, prior to this, us coming up, we didn't know him. And I guess uh, in that film on our website, he's, he was praying, he's like, God, He's all, bring Ryan Reese, bring the whosoever's to Idaho, to Homedale. And uh, one day he was just driving in his car, and effect, the effect radio was on uh, the station. And I was on there talking on my radio show, and I was like, hey, man, I just got back from uh, Idaho. I was visiting my cousins up there, but we're going to go back, and we're going to go do a full-on skate contest. And he was like, what the heck? He's like, I just said that prayer. Now I'm hearing Ryan on the radio on effect. So basically he contacted us, and we ended up connecting with him. He was a youth pastor at a Calvary Chapel up in uh, uh, Homedale, and we ended up partnering with him. We did all the skate parks. He just watched what we did, and at the last event, I gave him the microphone to have him share because he was a skater. He shared a bunch of kids got saved, and now, since then, over a year ago, he's been touring all the skate parks up in the Boise area, and yesterday, we were at his, at the, at his event, and it was packed, and everyone was giving their life to Jesus, and he's literally been discipling them, sharing the gospel to all the local parks. It's like we came up, God called us to come, light the fire. He just took the torch and just continued. And now all of Boise is being reached at all the local skate parks. And they're happy.
having massive turnouts. So that is the fruit of the radio ministry. That's the fruit of the radio ministry and just the fruit of uh, being faithful to show up and see what God wants to do. And now it's just continuing. So I'm excited to keep coming back here and speaking with you guys, doing outreach with you guys. I love Mike. I love AJ. Some of my, they become really good friends of uh, my wife and my family, my kids and their kids. So it's always awesome to be here in Idaho with you guys. So today, um, the one last thing I do want to plug is I told you guys about the Bible app. Um, I came out with a, a devotion called Kill the Noise. It's on the Bible app, the, the brown Bible app on your smartphones. Type in Ryan Reese or Kill the Noise, it'll pop up. Seven-day devotion in a week. I'm dropping the Gospel of John. I'm starting with chapter one, and I'm going to continue to, to release devotions. They're easy to read. It's good little nuggets. It'll get you uh, fired up for Jesus. The book in the back, the Kill the Noise, I wrote it in the pandemic. Um, it's called Kill the Noise, Finding Meaning Above the Madness. It's a faith-building tool. It's not a bio, It's not my testimony biography. It's a literally a highlight reel of my life life stories, but it's because I'm a Bible teacher. I like to put scripture with stories so you can see that the Bible is relevant from what we've been reading, you know, since it's got written over 2000 years going on, it's still relevant today with life application. So it doesn't matter if you're a seasoned Christian, if you're a new Christian, if you're drying your faith, whatever it is, God will rejuvenate your walk and you could buy, if you don't buy it here today, I would love for you guys to buy all those books. I don't take any home. That would be great. Um, but they're in the back or buy them for your friends or whatever. Or if you decide to buy them later on, it's obviously wherever books are sold, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Nobles, Target, Walmart, like wh- wherever they, they sell books. So, but I have a bunch here for you today. So this message today that I'm going to be speaking on, is called kill the noise. Um, it's going to be the story of John the Baptist. It's on, you're going to see the effects of what happens when you kill the noise in your life and you wait to hear what God has for you and you answer in the call and you'll see how powerful God will use you. So you will see the effects on one's life of killing the noise. So John the Baptist, I'm going to be speaking out of Matthew 3, but I want to just kind of do a little intro to John the Baptist. John the Baptist story is in all four gospels, so it's a big deal. God wanted us to know that. God has been silent for 400 years since the last book of Malachi, where he stopped speaking to his people and the religious system was broke at that time. John John is Jesus' cousin and was the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant. He was the forerunner of the King Jesus Messiah. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was in tune with God and he knew God's call and he knew the call that God had on his life. He didn't fit in to the mold of the church or become institutionalized with church traditions. Believe it or not, some of you guys already know this. Uh, back in the day, like years ago, if you had an electric guitar or drums in church, then basically that would be from the devil, right? They used to think that was the, the devil. These are church traditions. I remember meeting with the director of the Billy Graham Association a while ago, and because he was helping disciple me for a while in, 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 in our ministry and stuff. And I said, man, I'm so mad at the church, man. They're, they get stuck in the walls of the church and they never go out and reach people that are like dying and going to hell and that are in, trapped in, in sin. And he says, Ryan, you're not mad at the church. I said, yeah, I'm mad at the church. He goes, no, you're mad at the institution of the church. People become institutionalized and they just come in, they know the word and they never do anything with it. You know what I mean? So that's why we have the great commission. Go out, uh, make disciples of the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and teach them to obey my commandments. Teaching is the discipleship. But then we have to go back out and we have to go and live the great commission. And I said, yes, you're right. I am not mad at the church because we are the church. I'm mad. I get frustrated 
frustrated with the institution sometimes because I see how desperate people are and they don't have any knowledge of Christ. One of my, the guy that I'm with, Anthony, he shared the gospel with a kid at the park who didn't know anything about Jesus. He heard of him, but he had no idea about the cross, the sins, no idea who he was, just completely blank on who Jesus was. And he told him the good news, which is the gospel. And the kids, and he's like, you want me to pray for you? He's like, yeah, let's do this. And he accepted the Lord right on the spot. The harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. So going on, it says this, he was a forerunner and he was full of the Holy Spirit and he knew God's call. He didn't fit into the church. He was a PK. He was in line to become a priest in the temple in Jerusalem, but he wasn't down with that kind of religion. He wanted to go out. He had another call. He was a pastor's kid in line to be a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. That is like the mega church of mega churches. And what did he do? He knew that God had a separate call. He didn't just fit in because his dad was a pastor. He's going to stay at that church. Or he didn't just become what people thought he would be just because he was in a place in line up to be something. He wanted to be have that unique call that God has on his life. And everyone, there's only one of you, there's only ever going to be one of you, and God has a unique call on your life, and it's crucial to kill the noise and hear God's voice and find that call. And it's never too late to get busy about your father's business, as Mike said, because you could be old or young, but now is the time. Today's the day that the Lord has made. He left the city, he went to the desert to kill the noise and to wait and hear God's voice. So here, John the Baptist in the wilderness, but it's literally desert and he's killing the noise to wait to hear what God has. When I'm in a place in my life and you'll read in my book, I talk about when, when I'm in these crazy situations where I need to get an answer from God, I fast, I go to the desert Joshua tree where I live and I sit out there for hours and I wait until I hear God's voice and I pray, I talk to God, I worship, I read the word with no cell phone service and I wait and I kill the noise and every day, every time I go out there, God is faithful to speak to me in, in time of fasting and praying and waiting on God. And here's John the Baptist in the desert. See, I just read the Bible and I just believe what it says and I just do it. It's like, that's what John the Baptist did. That's what I'm going to do. That's what Jesus did. That's what I'm going to do. It's there for us. It's, it's the simple instructions that teaches us how to live. He had a relationship with God through the reading of the scriptures. He fasted, he prayed, and he, and, and he was a Nazarite. Now, we know that the Nazarites, they didn't touch anything from the vine, right? No grapes, no raisins, um, no alcohol. And why is that they didn't cut their hair? Um, so why is that that they didn't touch anything from the vine? I truly believe touching nothing from the vine, you're sold out, you're hardcore. Because what happens is when you're messing with uh, in, uh, uh, wine or alcohol, what happens is you... It's almost like you turn off the signal to the Holy Spirit. It's like we are an antenna, right? We like to piggyback off the power from the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us because we have God's Holy Spirit inside of us. And then he speaks to us and that's how we hear God's voice. But what happens when you drink and you get intoxicated, you know, what happens is it cuts the connection. It's almost like when I have my iPhone and I'm trying to, like, perfect example, this church has horrible reception, right? So basically I'm trying to download a photo from my wife. She just sent me and my kids or a video, but I can't get a clear connection. I can't connect it to the Wi-Fi to get the full download. And what happens is when you're intoxicated or the scripture says, be not, uh, be not filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the original language says, be not intoxicated with wine, but be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And in order to be under the influence, to have the Holy Spirit fill you, to come upon you, to flow over you and get that clear connection to the Wi-Fi or I call 
call it the most high fi. Remember, Satan gives the live fire, those fiery darts. But to get connected to the most high fi and get the clear signal, you don't want anything to break the power. In the same way, sin clogs the hose from the living water, the power from heaven to flow and to connect with you. And what happens is when we're in sin in our life, we clog that hose so we can't get that full faucet of that torrent of that living water and that power in our life. So here's John the Baptist. He's a Nazarite. He's sold out. He's connected to the most high fi and he's killing the noise in the desert. He lived off the land. He was unorthodox. He was radical in his approach and ministry. His message was straight to the point. Repent, be baptized, turn to God. The kingdom of heaven is near. He was bold and on fire for God. Jesus said about John in John 5.35 it says, John was so was, was like a burning and shining lamp. John was killing the noise in the desert, not distracted by the cares of the world or the shiny objects that Satan likes to hook us up with and get us off course. In my book, I have a chapter called Shiny Objects. It talks about Satan, Lucifer, the son of the Most High. You read about him by Isaiah and Ezekiel, and it talks about him being the most beautiful creation that God ever created. It says he was set in pure gold. He had onyx and rubies and jasper, and he was he had these stones, these beautiful stones set in him, and they believed that he was the choir director in heaven because he had uh, um, he had um, pipes built into him. He had his voice. He had a tremble, which was like a tambourine with a skin on it, with, with the tambourines on the side. And when you look at that, you have the mids, you have the vocals, you have the drums, the bass drum, and the highs. He was a music machine sitting at the throne of God and the stones of fire. And imagine him leading all heaven in worship and God's glory shining off him. He's the shiniest object ever. And Jesus has called us to be fishers of men, but Satan is the master fisher of men. He deceived one third of the angels that sit in God, in God in the heaven of God, in heaven with God, and he deceived one third of the angels to follow him, and they got cast down, like it says in Luke, to the earth and now Satan is the prince of the world the destroyer, the dragon, the serpent of old. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy but Jesus says, I've come to give life abundantly, and Satan's job, Mr. Shiny Object himself, Lucifer son of the morning star, what he wants to do with us as Christians is he, he's, he has a big tackle box of all these different lures. And what he wants to do is he's going to cast out these different lures in front of you. Your sexual identity. He's going to put out pornography, drugs, alcohol, addiction. All this confusion that the world has going on to manipulate your mind and think you, to get you confused on who you're sleeping with or what you're doing or what you're putting in your body or whatever it is. And what he wants to do with these shiny objects, Satan wants to hook you and he wants to reel you in. And he wants to reel you in and he wants to basically kill you and he wants to put you in hell. He's not interested in catch and release, but for Christians, what he would like to do, if he can't catch you and get you and kill you, what he wants to do is he wants to hook you up with tons of different lures and entangle you up in a web and the Bible talks about these strongholds or these footholds, and if he could just get you off the course from what God has called you to do, because it says the lamp of the the lamp, Jesus is the lamp to our feet the word of God is a path to our, our path, and what he wants to do is he wants to give us a straight shot and show us the life that we have through the spirit of life, but what Satan wants to do is he wants to hook you up and he wants to get you off course. I caught a marlin when I was in South Africa and I was fighting this thing for like four or five hours and what happened is they ended up breaking and getting free but what happened is what I did is I got him off course for four or five hours. I disrupted his life and I actually injured him in the process with the hook and that's what Satan wants to do. If he wants, if he can't trip you up, he wants to catch you and he wants to kill you because the wages of sin lead to death. So here 
Peter, that's shiny objects in my book. You can read more about it there. Uh, but John was in the desert killing the noise from the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the shiny objects that Satan likes to get us with. Uh, it also says this, John waited on God for his game plan, his direction, and his perfect timing for an uncommon revival for the common people. He was around 30 years old at the time when he started his public ministry. He was in tune with the Holy Spirit, listening for God's voice and seeking his will. Luke 3, verse 2 and 3 says this, uh, At that time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. It's the desert. Think about that. Then he went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show they have repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. John's message, his first words out of his mouth was repent. Jesus' message out of his mouth was repent. Peter's first message was repent. And John the, John's, or Paul's message was repent. John's ministry was short-lived and was powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Now picking up in, in Matthew 3, we're going to go over John's life and what happened with him when he was in the desert. Picking up in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and he began preaching. In what days? When he was 30 years old, he was fast in the desert. The power from heaven came, piggybacked off the power, he heard God's voice, and he said, go. So it says that he went to the Judean wilderness and he began preaching, going on both sides of the Jordan River. Now, I've been there on my last trip to Israel. They just recently opened it up where John the Baptist would have been. When you go to Israel, they have the green water, you know, that's in the city. That's not where John was. He was in the wilderness, in the desert, and the water's actually brown. And when you go there, what you see is that there's water, and the, the tour guide said, this is where John the Baptist was. This would have been the area. And it was actually a major highway. It was a major highway between, you had Europe, you had uh, Asia, and then you had Israel in the middle, and then you had Africa. So it was a major highway where people would have been going up and down from these areas. And when you're in the middle of the desert, where do you want to be? Next to the water. This is why it says he was going on both sides of the water, hopping back and forth, talking to people. It was a it was a major highway out there in the desert. So basically, I'm from Los Angeles. If he was in Los Angeles, in our downtown LA, it's where the 405 meets, the 5 freeway, the 60 freeway, the 110. It's like the major conjunction where they all meet in one area and then they all go to different parts of California. And then it says this, it says, He, his message was repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. What the heck is repent? Is it those people that are at music festivals that I go to? Because I work in the secular world. That's the majority of my ministry. I'm at music festivals in different places. And you got these crazy Christians and religious people out front. And they're like, God hates homosexuals. God hates sinners. God hates you. You're all going to go to hell and burn forever. God hates you. God doesn't, God actually loves the gay community. God hates, God loves the drug addicts. God loves alcoholics. God loves murders. God loves sinners. This is why Jesus came on a rescue mission out of eternity to die for the sins of the world. The scripture says, uh, God didn't, he, Jesus says, God didn't come, uh, uh, send his son into the world to condemn the world, to judge the world, but to save the world. So it all comes down to the message is that repent is that God 
God loved the world that he came to save the world. So how does repenting work? Let's dig into it a little bit more. God doesn't hate people. He actually loves people. says that his love for us are more than the sands of the sea. And they're like continuing. Love, 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 love. Even when we mess up and we fall short in our life. He loves us, loves us, loves us, loves us. He, God is love, the scripture says. But what is confession? Confession is what I was in my hotel room after nine days of cocaine, Xanax, and alcohol. Managing a professional skateboard team. I came to a place in my life where I was hooked on pornography. I was confused. I was anxiety, hopeless, empty, all those things that were going on in my life, fear, just messed up. And I said, God, I said, God, I have a problem. I confess. I have a drug problem. I have an alcohol problem. I have an addiction problem. I'm anxiety. I'm confused. I'm hooked on sex and all these different things. And I confessed my sins. And I said, God, if you're real, I need you to forgive me. And when I stepped out by faith, believing that he was the son of God and he died on the cross and he raised from the dead, God forgave me instantly. He wrote my name in the book of the life and with the blood that was shed on the cross, washed me white as snow and he implanted his Holy Spirit inside of me. So what did I do? at that time repenting basically means to kill the noise I killed the noise I said I'm so done with the shiny objects the lust of the eye the pride of life the lust of the flesh and I turned my will and I said I'm not going to go down that track anymore and I'm going to turn to God I changed my heart and mind and I went in that direction this, if the Bible says the wages of sin lead to death that's like me if I'm driving my car and I'm going to go off the cliff and I'm going to die and I know it because the life that I'm living in I'm not happy I'm hopeless I'm empty I'm miserable I'm confused with who I'm doing, what, what I'm doing, and what's going on. What do I have to do? Simple torments. Let me break that repentance. Very simple. All you have to do is you just have to flip a U-E, a U-turn. You're going in one direction, you just flip a U-turn, and you go to God. And as Jesus says, you can come boldly through the throne of grace. And God is there to forgive you. He's there to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you peace, joy, and love, and break those addictions, and bring clarity, and get rid of the confusion that the enemy, the dragon, the serpent, the destroyer, that hates your guts and he wants to take you to hell. But God has life abundantly and he wants to love you and walk with you through your messed up life and through your trials and tribulations as I am just a guy with issues that God's working out. I'm under construction. I'm not a spiritual giant, but God is good and he gets me through and and through the work of the Holy Ghost, he's continuing to transform me and renew my mind. It says all the old things will pass away in your life and you will become brand new. God wants to do that. He is faithful and he will transform you because he what he says happens if you surrender if you repent but then he goes on to say this it says the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said he is a voice shouted in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord's coming clear the road from him in another gospel it says make the crooked path straight this was written 700 BC in those days when a king would go uh, to a city if they were going to go to Boise kings roll like rappers they roll with their entourage right you got their wives you got their cooks you got your security you got tents, you got the production, right? So if they're going to go to Boise, they'd be like, all right, any hills in the way, level them. Make it straight for the king to come with his entourage. If there's any potholes, fill them. Any bridges, level up, make them wider. If there's a crooked path, crooked path, make it straight. We want to make a straight shot to get there. No detour routes or no way we can get robbed or anything like that. So in the same way, John the Baptist's life was a straight path to Jesus. When you see the way he acted, the way he talked, the way he conducted himself, who he was when you would see him, you would know there was something and he was about uh, about Jesus. But then I like to ask ourselves, 
Are we, a, are we a straight path to Jesus? Or are we making the crooked path straight for people to see Jesus? Are we putting potholes in front of people? Are we putting mountains in front of people to see? He says he's a Christian, but I can't really see the fruits of a Christianity. You know, he's talking the talk, but he's not walking the walk. Are we making the, the straight path crooked? Are we stumbling people? Are we talking about crazy stuff at work? Are we basically acting like one person in church and then acting like another person outside of church? Now, in my book, the last chapter is called No Posers. And that talks about basically about people being posers, talking the talk, but not walking the walk. You know, the biggest poser in the Bible was Judas. He heard the best Bible studies. He saw the signs and wonders. He went to all the the scripture reading. He saw he was with Jesus. He was with the disciples in ministry for three years. They didn't even know he was the one that was going to deceive God. And he was the biggest poser in the Bible. So my question is, are we making the straight path crooked or the crooked path straight for people to see Jesus? John the Baptist, it was a straight path. Verse 4, John's clothing were woven from camel hair. He wrote, he wore leather uh, belts around his waist, and for food he ate locusts and honey. I can't stand to think about this guy looks like the caveman from the Geico commercial. When you read about John the Baptist, I mean, he had like camel hair, doesn't sound too comfortable. A belt, was that like his style? Like, yo, I got this fresh belt, what's up? I don't know. He ate locusts and honey. That's disgusting. Who's going to eat locusts and honey? You know, this guy, you know, he lived off the land. Basically, when I read about this guy, he basically, oh, and he was a Nazarite, long hair, you know, windy, dirt. I don't know if he had a comb, like, made out of fish bones or what. But literally, this guy probably had some big dreadlocks or something. I don't know. John the... uh uh, Samson, he was a Nazarite and said he had seven locks. Remember that, right? So this dude looked crazy. He probably looked like head from corn. Um, he looked like a wild man out in the desert. But when you really look down at this guy, he was a simple guy. He was just like an outdoors man. He was a simple guy living off the land. And God used this crazy looking dude for great things, for a revival. It says, people from Jer- Jerusalem and all over the Judean River... Let me read that again. People from Jerusalem and from all over Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. There was a revival happening, a spiritual awakening. What does it say? They came from everywhere to see this guy because something was happening. The whole This guy was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. God was moving in power out there. People were getting saved and getting baptized. And it says, when they confessed their sins, they repented. He baptized them in the Jordan River. And then it says this, but when he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? So now you got the religious leaders. These are the city slickers, right? Coming in from Hollywood, you know, with their white robes and, you know, New York City, Manhattan, and, you know, their Benny Hen gear, you know what I'm saying? All white, like, all think they're all like dope. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist is like, who warned you, you brood of snakes coming out here, looking all, you know, coming out here all looking at me. And he just called them out like brood of snakes. You, you, Jesus had some kind words for the Pharisees. He says, you hypocrites. Jesus even called them, you fools, you blind guides. Jesus put these guys on blast. He just called them out. And what does John the Baptist says? He says, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove it by the way you live that you repented of your sins. The religious leaders were the people that were put in place 
that God put in place, like the pastors or the priests, to take care of the nation of Israel. But they have been, become corrupt. They were ripping off God's people from even being able to come into the temple to worship God, ripping off the poor. They were putting these hardcore burdens on people that they couldn't even bear. They were all about laws and rules and regulations. There was no grace, and they couldn't even hold them up. And what happened is Jesus called them whitewashed tombs, which basically means that in Israel, if you go there now, you'll see a a tomb on the side of the road, and it's bleached white. Because it looks so nice and white from the outside, but what happens is when you open up the tomb, what's inside? Dead, stinky bones rotten inside. So Jesus is calling these religious leaders, or John the Baptist, he's like, you brood of snakes, and Jesus is like, you whitewashed tombs, you guys look all nice and clean from the outside, but you're dead man bones inside, you're corrupt, your heart's far from God. In other words, you're a poser. You're, you're a big poser, and prove it, prove that you love God by the way you live. Don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very bones or from these very stones. He's basically saying, these guys are like, well, we're, 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 we're Jews. We're, we're from the, we're from Abraham. God loves us. We're God's people. And he's like, dude, you could, God can make, make of his children from these very stones. You're not a, you're not a belief. God does, you're not, you don't have a relationship with God just because you're born into it. Just like you're here right now and you're like, if I were to ask you, are you a Christian? I'm born in America. America, this is, this is an American God-fearing country. I'm a Christian. No, you're not. Oh, my dad, my mom, they're Christians. They're actually working the church. They actually eat lunch with AJ and Mike every day. We are in with the church. I'm a Christian. No, you're not. I give money to the church, and I go on to church every Sunday. And I even make coffee for 20 years for everybody. Doesn't make you a Christian. Prove it by the way you live. There has to be fruits of repentance and the way we act, the way we carry ourselves, because we know that the work of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5, 8, I believe it says, about the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, kindness, self-control. You can't, you could, you might sin here and there, mess up, and there's God's grace, but if you make it a habit of sinning and there's been no transformation in your life, then how can you say you're a Christian if the scripture says all things pass away and all things become brand new, but you're the same person doing the same things and there's no transformation? Are you a Christian? I don't know. You got to talk to God about that. It doesn't, doesn't add up here in the Bible because he says, prove it by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. Verse 10, it says, even now the axe of God's judgment is poison, ready to serve the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Now John the Baptist is shooting really straight with these guys. I'm going to flip over uh, to a chapter in chapter 7, and let's hear what Jesus says about good trees and bad trees. It says, Jesus says this, I'll start up in John... Um, Matthew 7, verse 13, it says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Okay, so the gateway to heaven is narrow, he's saying. And he goes, the highway to hell is broad and its gates is wide. For many choose that way. So guess what? You choose to go to hell. And it's wide and it's easy. You know how wide and easy it is? I live in L.A. It's just like getting on the freeway, putting your car, putting on cruise control, and just cruising. It's wide road, and you can get on there and cruise. You literally have to do nothing. Just go be you, do you, fall for all the stuff that the social media tells you, all the stuff that that uh, uh, the music lyrics and all that 
stuff. You know what? I go on tour and I'm backstage with rock stars that go up on stage and they're like, yeah, man, do drugs. I'm gay. Yes, that. I'm doing all this stuff. And guess what? They're in the back and they have a shrink. They're, they're, they're on antidepressants. They're miserable. They're horrible. And they're telling me, man, like, Hey man, will you pray with me? They go up on stage and they just like social media and all these people. It's all a big front of what's going on. But behind the scenes, it's all broken and messed up. You know, I have a lot of friends that are gay, uh, pansexual, transgender, and, and a lot of friends that I've actually been praying with and talking to. And you know what? When you get into this community, you know, you got to love that community a lot because there's a lot of brokenness in that community, honestly. When you really get down into it, you know, I, I work in Hollywood. I work with a lot of, uh, of the gay community, the LGBTQ. I'm, I'm very in, immersed in that, in that community. And I have a lot of friends there, like I said, but when you really get down into it, a lot of them have been molested, abused from their young, fatherless, motherless. Some of them just have been programmed by social media, thinking, you know, to confusion. But when you really get down into it, just like anyone that is caught up in confusion or whatever in sin in their life, it's a heart issue. Basically, what's going on in here is what manifests. I was doing drugs and alcohol because I got divorced. My girlfriend, my, my wife left me and she boarded kids. I was trying to not take care of my heart problem by, by making money and have, having, sleeping around with a bunch of girls and, and doing this life. Everything from the outward, it's because of the inward. So if you know anyone in the LGBTQ community, love them. Walk with them. Talk to them. No, don't try to hit people over the head. It's just like drug people that are doing drugs or in, in people that are compensating. Don't hit them over the head with the Bible. That's not love. That's not grace. That's not mercy. Hear about them. Hear their story. And you're, you'll really see what's really going on. And they're just, they're just like all of us. They, they, they just need love and they, they need to encounter a loving Savior. And God loves them so much. He loves them so much. And they're awesome. So with that said, the highway to hell is brought in many choose to go there. The gateway to life is very narrow and the road is very difficult and few ever find it. Well, why do few ever find it? Because the road is narrow and it's difficult. Why? Because in order to get to heaven, you have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross and you have to follow Jesus. You have to decide that I'm not going to listen and buy into the things of the world, all the shiny objects. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn to God and I'm going to surrender and I'm allowing him to show me the life that he has for me. And it is amazing once you surrender to God. I'm doing more than I ever have. I'm I'm working with more bands. Well, I'm working with pop bands, EDM bands, metal bands, action sports, skate. I'm working with more people than I ever have. And I'm doing more than I ever have in my life. And I'm still the same person who I was, but without all the confusion, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, and all the stuff, all the baggage that comes along with that life. So and then it goes on to say this. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless as sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick a grape from a thorn bush or a fig from a thistle? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce bad fruit, but a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that produces uh, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Remember, he, John the Baptist says, prove that you repented by the way you live. So if you're, we are all trees and depending 
what's coming out? Is it fruits of repentance or just like drugs, alcohol, lying, cheating, cheating on your wife with some girl at the gym in an emotional relationship, pornography? What is it? What is coming out of your life identifies you, identifies us. Not every one, then, then this is what really wrecks me is when John, Jesus gets really hardcore here. He says, not everyone who calls out on me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father. Remember, Jesus says, the Father and I are one. Jesus also says, if you love me, obey my commandments. On judgment day, this is after you die. There'll be a judgment day for everyone. Um, and if, and, uh, It says this, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. Uh, We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, Jesus says, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Or in the King James, you workers of iniquity. These are people that have repented in their life. They've given their life to God. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're prophesying over people and you're casting out demons and you're doing miracles, that means you have the Holy Spirit in you. You're living the Spirit that life. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are manifesting. But what happened to these people? Clearly, they got caught up, entangled back in the shiny objects, the lures. And what happens is Satan got them off course, started reeling them off course from that Spirit of their life, and they got entangled up again in bondage, in sin, and they went back to their old life and clearly they're not getting into heaven here so let us hear what the spirit has to say through us through these scriptures going back to this it says this john the baptist he says even now the acts of god's judgment is poised ready to serve every root that does not produce uh, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into fire i baptize you with water uh, those who repented of their sins, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I'm not even worthy to be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and the wind fork, and then he will clear the threshing area, gather the wheat into the barns, and burn up the chaff with a never-ending fire. So here we go. We have Jesus talking about the fire of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What will happen is when we give our life to God, we repent of our sins, and then we make a confession and we get water baptism. Water baptism, water represents the grave. We go into the water. Dirty sinner Ryan Reese is saying, I'm leaving the old Ryan Reese, the drug addict and all that stuff, porn and all that stuff in the water. I come out of the water with the with the water on me, and now I'm coming up with that new life, that new spirit-led life. It's a rep- It represents the new life I'm making or uh, living. Then what happens is God, Jesus will baptize you with the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, uh, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the dunamis power, that dynamite power to live that spirit-led life. And then the gifts of the Holy Spirit will start manifesting in your life. And those are the tools that we use for the Great Commission and inside the church. And what happens is the dunamis power, the fire, the power of the Holy Spirit, what happens is it's the power for service. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will use you. He will give you words of knowledge. You will pray for people. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover but also the fire of the Holy Spirit it's not the fire where you're walking around on fire you're like I'm on fire and you're like falling out on the ground the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit it burns out the iniquity of our life Jesus says if you want if you want if you believe in me you could come and drink and I will give you the torrents of living water it says in John 7 and the living water is the Holy Spirit and what happens is the job of the Holy Spirit is to purge and destroy everything that is unholy in your life it will burn out your porn addiction it will burn out your addiction it will burn out lying, 
cheating, the thought process of the enemy bringing those fiery darts. He will consume you. It says that in Psalms that God is a consuming fire. He will consume your life. He will transform you. He will refine you into a gold vessel for honorable use like it talks about in Timothy. So we could be a gold honor vessel of use that he could pour his spirit in and then we could pour out into other, other people's life. As much as we reach up is what we can give out. But remember in 2 Timothy, there's all, also vessels of clay. And what happens is those vessels of clay in the king's quarters, they were used to take out the sewage water. So they were full of poop and pee. And us as Christians, we cannot be a vessel of poop and pee and be used by God for the master to use. What happens when you're like, God, use me. What in the heck are you watching if the eye is a light to the body? And when you continue down that verse, what Jesus says, it says, if the light that you think you have, you think it's light, but it's actually darkness. How darkness is it? The eye is a light. Garbage in, garbage out. And this is why we are vessels. Whatever we watch, whatever we hear, whatever we're smoking or drinking, garbage in, garbage out. A bad tree produces bad fruit. But if we are refined by the Holy Spirit and reading the living word of God, which is the DNA of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the DNA of holiness, he transforms us and he makes us in that gold vessel and he pours out his spirit and we're able to be used for every special work. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power. And then going on what it says about the chaff, he's saying he's going to separate the wheat. He would break up the wheat and all the useless chaff that is no good. He just gets it and blows it away and pushes it off and keeps all the good stuff. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He gets us where like a piece of wheat, he just breaks off all the useless stuff that we don't need. And he keeps the good stuff and he uses us in that way. And then going on, it says this. Then Jesus went to Galilee, which they called it. Galilee was the Sea of the Gentiles. Jesus spent most of his ministry in the, in the Sea of the Gentiles. Did you know that? With all the dirty sinners, believe it or not. He was there hanging out with them. He wasn't in the church. He would surface here and there. But he was with the sea in the Sea of the Galilee with the Gentiles. But John, <clears throat> so when he came to get baptized by John, John tried to talk him out of it. He said, I am the one who needs to baptize you. He said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out God, what God requires. Jesus always in submission to the Father because the Father and him are one. Not my will, but his will be done. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, settling on him and a voice from heaven said, said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Here you go. You have the Elohim, the the original word Elohim is the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit working together in one in the beginning of the New Testament. You go to Genesis 1 and John and Genesis 1, it says in the beginning, God, Elohim, the gods, father, son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, in, the, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They were in the beginning, and they are in the beginning of the New Testament. They are the Trinity. They are together. They are equal. Jesus is the bridge to the Father. He is the bridge. We have to repent of our sins, give our life to Christ, and He is the bridge. He will cleanse us, wash us white as snow, send us the Holy Spirit, and we will be moving in power just like the disciples. Now I want to give you a little uh, little note on how to defeat Satan, Mr. Shiny object himself, because he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. 
after Jesus gets baptized, he goes to the wilderness, the desert. He starts fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. He's in his weakest point. As you guys know, Satan likes to come knocking when you're in your weakest point. You're tired, you're worn out. Satan comes in. Satan comes in and starts, you know, messing with Jesus and, and manipulating Scripture because Satan knows Scripture. He starts manipulating Scripture, trying to use it against Jesus. And, you know, Jesus is on this crazy fast, getting ready for to launch his great commission, his, his public ministry. And what happens is Satan's like, dude, are you hungry? Make those bread, make those rocks bread. Come on, man, eat. Feed your flesh. Forget the spirit life. Eat the flesh. Hey, man, you want the world? Satan says, I'm the prince of the world. I got the keys to the world. You, you want me to hook you up? Bow down and worship me. Jesus, Satan always wants the glory. And then he's like, hey, you want, you want people to know your name in this world? You want to be famous? He takes them to the temple, goes, jump off. And he uses the scriptures. The angels will catch you. Basically, don't worry about going to the cross. And he's saying to you, don't worry about denying yourself, picking up your cross. Don't worry about murdering your flesh. Don't worry about living living that spirit that life he's all dude i'll give it to you just go up to flesh bow down and worship me jump off this cliff the angels will catch you and you'll have a name you'll be famous don't worry about the crucified life i got the keys and in the same way satan has the keys and he'll give you the keys and he'll deal do whatever you just worship him if you're not worshiping jesus christ your lord lord is the title if jesus christ is not your lord and you're worshiping all these other gods in your life these little gods which i have a chapter of a book called destroy all gods these little gods then satan you are worshiping satan lucifer is your god whether you like it or not and you bow down to him and you are a slave but how do we defeat satan Jesus does it. Jesus is the model. Jesus starts firing off scripture at him, right? He fires off scripture and Satan flees. My grandma used to sing this song when I was young. It says, come and join the, it's the Salvation Army song. Um, Come and join the Salvation, the Salvation Army has a right to beat the drum. The tambourines, the banjos to make the devil run. So come and join the army. Get your gospel gun. Shoot it at the devil if you want to see him run. Now, how does that work in life application right now? So, we are all magazines, okay? We're gun- okay, so you guys all know about guns. We're in Idaho, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a Cali guy, but I'm a gun owner, a lot of guns. And uh, there's a lot of gun owners there. There's a lot of them. Don't believe the fake news, all that Hollywood social media news. It's like you only hear the news in like Hollywood. <laughs> you go outside and it's like it's red. You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. But anyway, so we're all magazines. And the Bible has thirty-two to 34,000 uh, scriptures in the Bible, depending on what translation you read. Now, every scripture in the Bible is a bullet. Okay? So, as we read the Word of God, we are filling our magazines. So, what happens is, the scripture says in Acts, you know, it talks about, don't worry what the Savior in front of kings, that God will give you the words to say at that time. So, what's saying is the Holy Ghost, if you have the person of the Holy Spirit in you in bodily form, He's inside of you, well, basically, the Holy Spirit has nothing to pull from unless you, it's been given. So as we read the living word of God, the scriptures, God's voice, these bullets, we start filling our magazine. We start filling the Holy, the Holy Spirit is now the gunpowder because it says Acts 1-8, you will receive power, that dunamis power. He is the gunpowder. So we're filling our magazines with the bullets. And as many as we put in, whatever we've read, that's what the Holy, the person of the Holy Spirit has access to pull from, these bullets. So what happens is the more you read, the more bullets you put in, 
And the more you're in communion with God, the relationship, you can piggyback off the power, the more gunpowder you're getting. The goal is not to be shooting a 22. You want a 50 cal, right? So you want those bullets and you want that power to level out with the gospel gun. So what happens is when the enemy Satan starts coming at you and, and putting these, these lies at you and manipulating your mind, saying all these things do about who you are and who you, what you really not. Remember, the lie-fi, Satan is the liar, the destroyer, the dragon, and the Bible talks about these fiery arrows, arrows he likes to put on our mind. That's why we need to have uh, the helmet of faith and, you know, the shield and, and all the different armory of being a warrior. But what happens is when Satan comes for you and he's going to come for you, what happens is we got to be able to pull out our gospel gun and shoot it at the devil and he will run. And Jesus is the model. So what we have to do is we need to be in the word daily. We need to be praying daily and we need to be ready. So when the enemy comes, you have something to pull from and shoot at the devil and he will run in ending. I got a few minutes left. The pandemic effect, affected me pretty hardcore. I went through, uh, uh, the book was about to drop. I, I finished the book. It was, I was just tightening it up. It was about to release. I was traveling with the whosoever's. I also run a footwear and apparel company for a for-profit. I work with a lot of different companies and produce product. I do design, import, export. I work with like 150 factories overseas to design and, and produce whatever. Now, it was like this perfect storm. We sold our house. We were living with my parents in L.A. Everything was on lockdown because they're all uptight down there in L.A. Um, like parks were closed. You know, people were scared of their shadows watching CNN, CNN every day. And uh, it was like this perfect storm. It was like well, our, our family was out of whack because we were with my parents. Our kids were going crazy. A lot of stress with the company. I was having problems with the company. I was traveling. Basically, I got to a place where I went into like burnout. And literally, the enemy Satan, I could feel the presence of the enemy. And I could just hear the lies. And I had anxiety. And I was experiencing flood of fear that have never happened in my life. I would literally be sitting in bed and I could not sleep. And I just was getting flooded with fear anxiety but thank god that basically i was had uh, i i i i had like self not self control but i was on a program a regiment where every day when i wake up i stretch cuz i'm a skateboarder and i'm old so I have to have injuries and as i stretch i listen to bible studies from the radio i read my devotion and i read my bible every single day so because i was connected to the most high fi as the life fi was coming in i was able to balance off what was truth and what was lies but it got so dark in my life that I literally went and I quit the whosoever's. I was going to quit ministry. I didn't care about the book. I was getting so deceived that the enemy was coming and coming to, to sift me, like Peter says. And what happened is at that time, I basically told my wife, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving the kids. I'm going to f- support you guys because the enemy's like, hey, you could be a Christian. This is one of those shiny objects. He hooked me up. You could be a Christian. You could support your family. You're a good guy. Just, you're going to have peace. If you just leave everything, just do your business, make money. You're going to have peace. Just do that and it'll all be fine. Now I understand when people want to commit suicide. I understand. All you want is peace. I couldn't feel nothing. I felt like everything. I couldn't feel love. I never told my wife and kids I didn't love them. That wasn't the, the thing. I just wanted peace in my life. I wanted it all to end. And Satan was like... This is the way you do it. You leave your family, you leave ministry, just go make money, shiny objects, and you'll have peace. Well, the reality is, if that happened, 
then my wife would end up with another guy, which would kill me. My kids would be raised by another guy, which would kill me, my daughters and my son. So it looks all nice and shiny on the outside, but basically what happens is the, the, the after effects of this would destroy me. It's like Chuck Smith talks about cotton candy. You look at cotton candy, pink cotton candy is my favorite. What happens is I go, I was just at uh, Knott's Berry Farm the other day. I bought pink cotton candy. I took a big bite. It looks so fulfilling. I took a bite right when I put it in my mouth. It turned into little pebbles. So I took another big bite of this cotton candy. Go into my mouth. It turned into little pebbles. And what happened is I kept taking bites and finally I was literally sick. Basically sin is good for a season, but it leads to death. The wages of sin lead to death. Sin looks good. You take a big bite of it and what happened? It's emptiness. You, you do drugs. You do it. You feel empty. Oh man, if I just get a sex change, I'll feel good. Boom. You're empty. Nothing will fix the outside. It's a heart issue. And the only thing that can fill that emptiness and transform you and give you life abundantly is a relationship with King Jesus. Jesus is not religious. Jesus went against the whole religious system. He drove the religious leaders crazy to the fact that they crucified him. Jesus came for mankind to love the sick, to heal, to set free. Whoever the Son of God sets free is free indeed. He wants to fill you with that living hope and of the Word of God and cleanse you and use your life. If there's anyone here right now that's like, man, I just, Ryan... I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm, I'm empty. I haven't been, I, I'm, I feel like I'm a dry season. Or, Brian, I need to give my life back to God. Or maybe I've never even given my life to God. Maybe you're just struggling because life's crazy. For six months, I was struggling. I was in the longest storm of my life. I didn't think I was going to make it out of life. But God's grace, because I was in the Word every single day, holding on for my life. This is why this scripture says this. This is the most potent scripture in the Bible for me right now in this season. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds their house on the rock uh, though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beat against the house it won't collapse because it's built on the rock Jesus is the rock Jesus is the word of God but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish like a person who builds their house on the sand when the rains and the floods come and the wind beats against the house it will collapse with a mighty crash You will collapse if you don't have Jesus. You need God in your life. If that's you and you're just like, Ryan, I don't know what I need. I just need something. I need God to touch my life. I want you to raise your hand like this. Give me a thumb up. And I want to pray for you before I walk off this stage. Is there anyone here? This is the most punk rock moment right here. Because everyone's, I I see you guys over here. Anyone over here? I see you here too. Young, old, it doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to pray that God is going to touch your life right now, right where you're at. Anyone else? I've got, all right, I see you two, two more in the back over there. If your heart's beating fast, the Holy Spirit's knocking, but we got to open our heart and allow Him to come in. If that's you, just give me a thumbs up. I want to pray for you. This is a step of faith by just going, me. Remember, I see you two right on. We're under construction. Remember that, Christians, we're all under construction. God wants to heal you, set you free, and He was going to do something supernatural today in the natural realm. Anyone else before I pray? Right on. I see you too. I see you too. Right on. There's more hands. That's what's up. Anyone else? You guys need prayer over there? Pray for you guys too. All right. In the back too. Awesome. Awesome. You right there too. Okay. Awesome. Anyone else? Cool. I see you back there. I see you. Yep. Like five more hands. Yep. That's what's up. The Holy Spirit's moving right now. 
He loves you. God loves you. He loves you to death. He loves you to death. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe that he's not a God of love. He loves you. He designed you to knit you together in your mother's womb. He has a specific plan and purpose for you on planet Earth. Did you know that? Like, there's only one of you, and there's only ever going to be one of you. And guess what? You could go your whole life, and imagine this. Imagine going your whole life and not knowing what you were created for and what specific plans God had for you. You missed your wife. You missed your husband. You missed the kids you were supposed to have. You missed the career you were supposed to have. You missed You missed it. Imagine going through life because you're watching social media, you're listening to the lyrics, and you're listening to people that are all jacked up telling you how to live your life, and you're jacked up. Imagine that. What a joke. What a fraud. What posers. That's why my friend Austin from Up My Smith, big, huge rock star, got saved. He said, right, I'm singing about this stuff, but I'm miserable. I had to smoke weed just to feel normal. Because why are you smoking so much weed? Why are you drinking so much? Why are you popping so many pills? Because you feel yourself. This is why. And then you have to feel yourself the next day, the next day. This is why Jesus says, anyone that is thirsty may come to me. Anyone that believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, I will give you the torrents of living water. The torrents of living water is going to fill you. He's going to fill you with light and, di- and get rid of the darkness so you could be free and live that life and feel content. I know I'm here right now because I'm supposed to be right here right now with you. Why? Because I'm following God. He's a lamp to my feet. I'm, I'm piggybacking off the power. He's leading me and guiding me. Even when I don't make the right decisions by the power of the Holy Spirit, He will push me and drive me into the right direction. Anyone else before I pray, lift your hand up. Any more? I see you too. Anyone else? I see you too. Who else? In the back over there. I know there's a couple more. I see you over there. Who else? This is it. This is the main event. Okay, we're going to pray. And we're all going to pray together because you know what whosoever means? I'm part of the whosoever's movement. And you're about to get into the whosoever's movement. Because the whosoever's is a move of the Holy Spirit. It's no one, it's no nothing. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. And whosoever's are from bums of presence that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He raised from the dead. He split time in half. When you write your ID, when you write the date every day, it's 20, 20, 2021 AD after the death of Christ. He split time in half. No one else did. He's real. He's on your passport. He's on your ID. And he's on every piece of document in the world. He's in our face every single day. But he lives. And he's going to prove that he's real to you right now. So we're all going to say this prayer out loud. And let's just meet it in our heart. Because posers and religion just say stuff, but it doesn't mean anything. A relationship with God, it's the posture of our heart. That's the true way to worship God. We're going to open our heart and God's going to come in. And you're going to encounter his presence. You're going to encounter the Holy Spirit right now. Everyone... With all your eyes closed, just say it out loud. Say, Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. Prove that you're real. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Cleanse me with the blood that was shed on the cross. Wash me white as snow. Write my name in the book of life. And I surrender my life to you. And give me a desire to read your living word. In Jesus' name, now I'm going to pray over you. 
Holy Spirit, I know that you're here, but Lord, I just pray that you give them more of your peace, more of your joy. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you just dump and flow with the Holy Spirit now, that literally those ones that are here that are empty, fill them in Jesus' name. Let them tangibly encounter the presence of your spirit flow from their head to their feet fill that emptiness up break all chains from the demonic realm that have opened themselves through pornography through pharmacia drugs through wicca through ouija boards through tarot cards harry potter all that stuff god in jesus name i pray that you break that those spiritual chains that the enemy has had those strongholds in jesus name i pray holy spirit that you will go to their houses and you will push out any darkness that is there as well ones that are dealing with depression i pray in jesus name that you lift that in that depression off of them and you touch their life lord i pray for anxiety that you break that up off of them anyone that is dealing with suicidal thoughts that are hearing voices close those doors from the supernatural realm, those voices, close it now. Lord, I pray for those ones that are struggling with their sexual identity in Jesus' name. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you bring clarity right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you will fill them, baptize them with the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Release it now. Lord, give them more of your peace. Give them more of your joy. Lord, more of your presence in this place. Lord, I pray for ones that are dealing with injuries, knees, backs, muscles, spines, chronic headaches, blood disease, uh, any kind of thing that is going on in their body. In Jesus' name, I ask that you heal them right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, we ask for your grace, your mercy. Those that are, that are struggling with their identity, Lord, show them who you are, Lord. God, do it, Lord. All through the Bible, you did it. Do it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen.